know if you know this, but usually electronics have to be plugged in. And not only to the wall, but the other end has to be plugged into the device. Yeah, that seems like uh, pretty par for the course as far as electronics go. Yeah, so my breaker did go off in the garage. And so when I went to go check, I was like, okay, I reset everything and everything should be good. But I didn't plug in the fucking <laughs> plug in the goddamn board. <laughs> I love that. So I was like freaking out. I was like, I was about to like start looking online for a new power source because I was like, it's still recognizing the board, but I can't get any fucking power to the mics. Mm, uh, but you know, the classic had to plug it in situation. Yeah, I yeah, I I should have turned it off and turned it back on, blew into it, maybe banged it against uh, the wall a little bit. Yeah, you should have hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Every time technology does something bad, you have to put it in its place and hit it. A bunch. Or else it's not it's not going to learn. Exactly. This this is my house. I'm the man of the house. I wear the pants or in this case, not wearing pants because it's a million degrees outside. Yeah, absolutely not. No pants involved. That's more intimidating is, you know, you just throw your wiener up on the table and then you tell it what's up. Hey, nothing but a wife beater and a boner. <laughs> That's my signature look. <laughs> All right. All right. You ready to boogie? Ready, Freddy. Let's fucking go. Uh, let me close. Hold on. <laughs> I was just thinking, man, there's like a lot of planes going off right now. Let me at least close the garage door so it's not like the Nazis are invading or yeah, something. Let, yeah, I'm totally ready to go. All right, cool. Let's do it. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> What is up, you slime balls? Welcome back to another episode of the Fetch and Shock podcast. I am your host, Experiment One Tyler, and joining me again for another week in a row, Chaotic Goo himself, Corey. Corey, what's going on, dude? What is up, man? I'm I'm very um, jealous of your enthusiasm with the intros. You know, I always. Uh try and like guess what you're gonna say i'm never right but it's it's fun to try that one time that you get it right though yeah vindicted for all of it you are going to something. lose your shit actually, mind reader if anybody okay never mind because like people could just lie i was just gonna say if anybody actually guesses what i'm going to say at the beginning i'll send them hundred dollar bill and then just my inbox will just be flooded with hey i knew that you were gonna say that uh, what even more valuable than that would be like a butterfly token Oh my god, I haven't made a butterfly token in so long. Well, you, you don't want to abuse it. You need to just bring it out on special occasions for True. special reasons. My knives aren't sharp, though. Like, I'm afraid that the next next time I make a butterfly token, it's going to come out like a stick figure. Well, what you need to do is just make butterfly tokens every night and then just throw them in the trash. So oh, that way, just what, light them on fire. Yeah, when the day comes, you're like, I'm ready, I got this. I'm just going to become a hoarder, but with my own tokens. That like, works. What's that shitty television show, The Hoarder One? Uh, orders okay <laughs> oh, nailed it <laughs> yeah that's the one with the one called hoarders yeah that's gonna be me but instead of having like just random knickknacks and like piles of cat shit it's just gonna be me in a pile of torn up fetch and shock tokens with the sh poorly drawn butterflies on them and then me and matt have to come in and like hey man you're ruining your life you're making it difficult for the ones who love you <laughs> it's just me and my butterflies there's just a rotting corpse of somebody underneath, like, one of the hundred piles. <laughs> oh, that's where the delivery guy went. Yeah, I was wondering why I haven't got my packages. I thought it was just because they shut down the USPS, but it turns out my mail guy was just dead underneath my tokens. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking crazy. Well, dude, uh, to move away from the murdering postman, 
conversation. <laughs> what have you been up to? Ah, uh, man, I've just been trying to fill my time since I basically don't do much. Go to work, come home, hang out with the dogs, hang out with the wife. But I've been uh, playing some video games. I was playing World of Warcraft a bunch, and there's a very competitive, uh, serious aspect to World of Warcraft where you have to, like, raid Isn't that where the Leroy Jenkins meme came from? You are correct, sir. Fuck yes. Look at that. I I am an expert. Welcome to the Fetch and Shock World of Warcraft podcast. (laughs) And so, like, that's a meme for a reason, because people take that shit, like, very seriously. And so I did it for, like, a good four, five, six months, and I was just like, man, this, like, you gotta show up at a certain time, and you gotta blah, 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 and there's priority and all this, like, uh, politic-y type of stuff in the guilds. And yeah, it's it's serious. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not going to play anymore. And I was looking for a game that I could relax to, something that wasn't competitive or multiplayer. And I ran across a game called Terraria. Oh my God. I'd always seen it, you know, on Steam or whatever. And I wasn't really exactly sure what it was, but it was on sale. And I was like, why not? Five bucks? Fuck it. And from what I can surmise, it is a... 2D platform version of Minecraft, I guess. That might be the best synopsis of the game I've ever heard. And I am fucking hooked, man. One, I love games that don't give you too much information right off the bat. Like, they give you enough, but they don't, like, guide you in any one particular direction. So Terraria just kind of drops you in, shows you how to do a couple things, and it's like, all right, uh, world's yours. For the first part of the game, I didn't even know, like, there was bosses and shit <laughs> i was just like wandering around and all of a sudden i summon this huge thing i'm like oh shit there's like the whole home building you know kind of flex your artistic muscles and make yep. like buildings and, and shit like that and it has just sucked me right the fuck in pretty much almost the only game i've been playing for the past couple months i used to fuck with terraria hard Especially back in college, because all I did in college was go to class, open up my laptop, pretend I was taking notes, and then just play like either Terraria or Binding of Isaac. Ah, yes, the old the old abortion game. How did they make something <laughs> such a dark topic, such an entertaining video game? Yeah, it's won the hearts of uh, thousands, if not millions. That game is crazy popular, but yeah, those like Terraria is such a good game for the exact thing that you just said. It just, like, throws you in just says, I don't know, idiot, go fucking figure it out, I guess. And you're like, yeah, okay. And then you get fucked in a thousand different ways. And then eventually you figure it out, and it's the best game. Yeah, I am uh, thoroughly in love with it. Even just, like, the relaxation factor of, like, you know what? I'm not going to go fuck with shit. I'm just going to, like, build, like, a underground minecart system just to accomplish something. You can do that in that game, and the best part is, like, once you get done with something, like, large and elaborate, you walk away with it feeling like you actually did something in real life. <laughs> and that's so, like, so cool. I told my wife, I was like, this minecart system took me, like, two days to, like, dig through, and I need to show you how it works. And I even, like, labeled all the stops. <laughs> like, out of letters, like, this is the beach stop, and this is the forest, and all this shit, and... uh <laughs> It has brought me so much joy. And one game that has not brought me any joy at all that recently came out on the cell phone, because I am a connoisseur of cell phone games, but none seem to ever hold my attention for any serious length of time. Eva Echoes, you know, the crazy ship game. 
outer space thing. Oh, word. So they came out with a mobile version of it. And I was like, oh, I've always heard like crazy things about the computer version where people spend actual money on these ships. And then there's these huge battles where like thousands of dollars are destroyed because the ships are like blown to pieces. And I was like, man, this is crazy and elaborate. And I think I'm going to like it. And then I get into the game. And it's stupid and confusing, and I have no idea what's going on, and the tutorial system isn't really, like, fleshed out yet. And uh, I started, like, reading articles and watching videos, and I'm like, you know what? I'm putting too much effort trying to understand just, like, the basics of the game. Like, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. See, I didn't know that you were such a, uh, like you said, a connoisseur of mobile games. Yeah, I played uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, I think it's called. I played that for a good, solid, long while. And the only thing that's wrong with those type of games, because those games are a dime a dozen these days, is that there's no real, like, end game. It's just a constant grind. And so, I don't know, you just get burnout easy. The only mobile game that I ever put some serious time and effort into was Pokemon Go. Nice. But I no-lifed the shit out of that game for so long. <laughs> like, it, it was easily one of the most, like, in-shape moments of my life, like, post-high school. Because I was walking, like... <laughs> miles a day being like i gotta hatch this fucking egg i gotta figure out and then it would open up and it'd be like something that i have like 14 of i'm like okay cool now i just want to fucking kill myself but there's always the other egg so i'd pop another one in and then walk another 150 miles this is gonna sound really creepy but i met lots of 12 year olds playing that game <laughs> <laughs> like i really wanted a ghastly and i couldn't find any around my area and then I forget, um, somehow I found out that they were, like, at this park. And so, like, I went walking through the park, and I saw these kids, like, on their phone, and I was on my phone, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I don't care. And I was like, hey, have you guys caught any ghastly out here? And they're like, oh, yeah, we saw one yesterday. And my I was dude, like, there's oh. one right over there. <laughs> <laughs> I just started, like, chopping it up with these kids, and I'm like, man, this is, I don't know if I should be embarrassed or I, fuck it, I want my ghastly, I don't care. Yeah, I would say, if you got the ghastly, then why does it matter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I definitely, like, bought the charger packs for the cell phone so it can get a charge on the go. Yes. Took my dog on, like, midnight hikes and walks out through, like, outdoorsy type area that you can drive through. And there's camping and all that shit. And there's, like, some good gyms out there that wouldn't be highly contested so i'd always go out there and fucking reclaim them oh, you and... gotta get your coins my dude so yeah i was in it for a minute definitely it's amazing to me that they didn't turn pokemon go into like a dating app somehow like meet <laughs> hot trainers in your area like one of those <laughs> deals when i didn't take my dogs on a walk i would at least take them for a drive you know because i'd want to hit up certain gyms or whatever so i'd take them on a cool drive and i remember going out towards uh this little industrial park area and there was like a, a a car like body shop and right past it was a gym and like a couple of polka stops or whatever. So my usual route would be like I'd go by them and then I'd swing by the park and nice little 15 minute ride for my dogs. And so I remember one night, you know, it was like about midnight. I'm driving by or the body shop and I stop, you know, so I could get the gym or whatever. And then I'm starting to pull away and I hear there's, like, guys still, like, at the body shop, you know, like, they're probably hanging out smoking meth or something. I don't know. And uh, as I'm driving away, I hear one of them yell at me, like, fucking poke a dick. <laughs> and I was like, what? 
It was just, it was the stupidest insult I've ever heard. Like, call me a nerd or <laughs> be like direct. He was so angry. He's like, you fucking dick, poke a dick. Like, what? That's actually my favorite Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. And then it evolves into um, Pokepus. <laughs> and then it evolves into uh, Poke Children. That's and, uh, that's when that's one Pokemon loves another. <laughs> Whoa! And I was like, "Well, I got your gym, nerd. Shut up." Well, yeah, suck it, idiot. Yeah, that's yeah. actually why he was pissed. He's yeah. like, "This was blue," <laughs> and I was yellow, and nobody liked yellow. Oh, one thousand percent, I was also yellow. <laughs> Can I fuck with yellow? <laughs> Welcome to the Fashion Shock uh, Pokemon Go podcast. Now, oddly enough, I was I was looking up the the history and in chronological order the Pokemon games uh, last night or the night before. And like watched a video on the evolution of the changes they made to each game as they came out, and uh, that was a really just good waste of my time. Yeah, like that seems like it would be a good like twenty minute video that now your brain will never be able to forget some of that information. Yeah. So I actually the reason I was watching is because I was like, you know what, I want to play like some sort of turn based RPG. I've played Super Mario RPG like a million times, so I'm like, I need something else. Um, cause I have an emulator and a Bluetooth controller for my phone. Oh, so the world is your oyster. <clears throat> exactly. So I could just be sitting at work fucking catching Pokemon. And so I was like, all right, I need to find out which game I'm going to download. Um, what, what, what was your favorite Pokemon game? I'm quite partial to, uh, Pokemon gold. Okay. Cause like I played, I played like blue and red and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is fine. But like when I got a Game Boy Color, I also got with it. Uh, Pokemon Gold, and I probably played through Pokemon Gold to the point where I, there's like parts of it I memorize. When I'm 80 years old, I won't remember like my grandchildren's names, but I will remember how to get through the fourth gym <laughs> in Pokemon Gold without question. So that was the second generation of games. That, okay. See, I, I've only played Yellow, and then I've played X and Y. Or just X, actually. That's like one of my buddies had suggested it. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. Oh, I think I played through all of them up until they started not using colors. When they started using like gemstones and letters and numbers to represent the games, I'm like, mm, I don't know about all this. Uh, the reason uh, my buddy Hot Sauce had suggested X is because he said it was very reminiscent of like the first generation. And they have the oh, original. I think they have the original 151 in there. So I was like, okay. I'll try it. That one might be up my alley. Yeah, I remember enjoying it. Well, I think there's also another game that we normally talk about on this podcast. Um, heads up, 7-Up. Yo, throwback to the elementary school days. <laughs> I can't believe you're on the other side of the country and that game is still played in schools. Yeah, I mean, I go down to the school about once a week and uh, <laughs> I... I <laughs> you go down... To your competitive heads up seven up league. Yeah. And I'm flexing, you know, I got the cut off jean shorts and the and the gloves with no fingers. <laughs> yeah, you got into that from the kids that you met in that park when you were playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah. They're like, So what do you know about heads up seven up? And I was like, Everything. What you got, <laughs> little, what you got, little man? And you proceeded to beat the shit out of these little 14-year-old kids. Yeah. And then beat them in Heads Up 7-Up. What else you got? Fucking Tamagotchi, dude? Let's fucking go. Yo! <laughs> Tamagotchi! <laughs> that is a throwback. Holy shit. But if I remember correctly, you're talking about a game that is expansive. 
ever evolving, expensive, and um, not very accessible at the moment. Oh, are you talking about? We're talking about the Pokemon TCG. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> or maybe also Magic the Gathering. That's the one. Oh yeah, the second best trading card game on the market. Whenever people ask like what I'm into or whatever, sometimes I'll be looking at cards on my computer at work, and they're like, "Oh man, what's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's this game called Magic the Gathering." And like, I expect people to know what it is because like even I knew what it was in high school. Like I didn't really, I had no idea what it entailed but i just knew like ah those nerds over there play it during lunch or whatever at this point magic is just a cultural icon like as weird as that is to say it is as popular as a lot of other mainstream video games especially with like, the addition of arena and so when people don't know what it is i'm like i have to be like it's like the pokemon card game but this one came <laughs> out first <laughs> and they're and by that time they're like i don't give a fuck my favorite thing is when i'm like Oh, yeah, I play Magic, and they're just like, oh, is that like Pokemon? And I'm like, it's actually exactly like Pokemon. There's no differences whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, oh, you do Magic? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I do Magic. Oh, I have definitely said to people that I was, like, going to, like, a Magic convention, and they're like, oh, to do, like, Magic tricks? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make your car disappear in, like, a week and a half. Just <laughs> let me know where your keys are, and I'll be able to make it disappear pretty easily. Yeah, our friendship is going to be non-existent here in a second, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to make you disappear. <laughs> and your family will never wonder where you went. Not just the gathering, Corey. What do you know about that game? Well, I know a couple things. I'm sure there are also a lot of secrets to the game, too. Uh, there are secrets. Um, in some of the lore, I know that they they traverse certain dungeons and caves and uh, what's the other? What's there's an it's oh, would another you, word for that. like maybe like layers? Yeah, there you go. There's secret layers. Oh, yeah. To see, there's layers of this joke. <laughs> yeah, so we got some secret layers, Corey. How do you feel about that? Um, so I did look at the secret layers because I'm signed up on the email. And the ooze one, it looked cool. I, I'm down with the art style. You know, it's very like um, 90s Nickelodeon, um, you know-esque. But I was confused on why they put it out now. You know, like there's no, it's not like it's ooze day or something. Yeah, no, it's National Ooze Day. That's why they put it out. Oh, okay. Um, well, dang. <laughs> yeah, now I feel egg dumb. on your face, dude. Yeah, ooze on my face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, egg is like an oozy substance. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're synonymous. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like it. I'm not, I'm not going to be buying it, but uh, I like the art style. And if the acidic slimes get cheap enough, I am down to buy a bunch because I throw that in every green commander deck I, I ever play. We can go over this. Cards in it are uh, Necrotic Ooze, Acidic Slime, Scavenging Ooze, the Mimeoplasm, and Voids. And like you said, they are like the very reminiscent of the like early 90s, mid 90s Nickelodeon cartoon style. Um, you know what it reminds me of is uh, Garbage Pail. Oh, that's a awesome, awesome comparison. That is exactly the art style, like kind of cartoony and gross at the same time. Yes, that's so perfect. They all. Um, one of my buddies also said Rupert, so shout out to Rupert. He was just like, what is this? The fuck is this the Rick and Morty one? Because <laughs> some of the arts are like very neon Rick and Morty-esque art. But the art is really good. Yeah, I dig it. I, I like when they take the art in uh, different 
different directions, you know, like I wasn't the biggest fan of like the tattoo stuff. Like that's not just, that's not my style, but I'm cool that they're like exploring that space. And there's people out there who, who like that shit. And my favorite part about these secret layers too, and it really shined through with uh, these specific secret layers is the, th- is the thought that they put into each card, like even down to the flavor text, like the void slime flavor text, which void slime, if you don't know, a counter spell, highly played in Commander. The flavor text is Cyclonic Rift. Blah, 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 blah. So, <laughs> and the art is like that <laughs> ooze getting shot into the wizard's face. So it's just like, oh yeah, this is going to counter a Cyclonic Rift, and that is going to be such a great flavor win. <laughs> and yeah, another perfect flavor text is like the scavenging ooze one, where the art is just an ooze popping out of like a garbage can like oscar the grouch and the flavor text says some days it just feels like trash other days it could really go for some people exactly i love that so much bitch i live in the trash can (laughs) i'm the poorest motherfucker on city street i yeah i mean secret layers as far as secret layers go i'm like i'm no longer on the fence about them because initially i was like ah these kind of kind of awkward but like they're cool if people like them now that they're coming out i'm seeing more of like what they're trying to do with it i'm all on board for secret layers i absolutely adore yeah and i think it's one of those things where they're not gonna be for everybody and that's okay and i think certain people in the community who have prominent voices get upset when everything's not specifically geared towards them you are 100 percent correct and I think that's really dumb because there's there's a one of the shining points about magic is that there's a million different ways to play the game and you're not forced to play it any one specific way. And so it would make sense that they make things for different niches or different areas of the fan base. And this is one of those things where it's like if you like goofy, crazy, cute alternate art things and are willing to pay a premium for it then this is for you and that's the thing too with these secret layers like you said everything's not going to be for everybody but with how different all these secret layers are like they had a thalia one there was just four different arts of thalia they have this one that's like the hyper cartoony art they had the tattoo one like they're all so different that eventually they're going to come out with one of these secret layers that you're just gonna be like oh i have to snap off and buy this i have to Cause it's just so up my alley. Yeah. Like I have one particular EDH deck where I play a lot of the gods. And so I like snapped off the, uh, the Theros God ones. Yeah. Theros God, not all of them, but like I bought the ones that had prominently, uh, black planeswalkers and then bought singles of the other ones. Um, ah, yeah. Cause that was like, to me, that was the ultimate version of that card. And so I was like, yeah, of course, why not? Yeah, because that's, like, way cooler than a pre-release foil. That's way cooler than just a normal foil. Like, those are just the absolute peak of that printing of that card. Like, I'm not all for, like, foiling out all my decks, but if I can get, like, an awesome version of my actual Planeswalker, then I am going for that version. Hell yeah. Especially, like, in this Ooze one. Like, if you play Mimeoplasm and you don't have this, or you don't have a desire to have it, like... I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Like I've replaced 
a large majority of my commanders with the quote-unquote pimp version. There was the Judge promo Zur that had the alternate art, the Ur-Dragon, Secret Lair uh, Mirren. There's just these really cool versions, and to, to me, you know, I... I like that uniqueness of the deck building. Like I, if I really care about the deck, I'll get specific with the art, you know? And if I, if it's just a deck that I just put together and I play, then I'm like, whatever about the art. I don't care if everything's mismatched. Kind of. That's how I am too. If I'm not in love with the deck, I don't give a shit. But the second that I am to the point where, Oh yeah, this deck is right up my alley. That's when I start getting really, really finicky with the cards that I'm putting in it and the arts that I'm putting in it. Absolutely. But there was also another secret layer that came out. This one, this was for the dogs. Yeah, they're really pounding it home. Oh, 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 that was a rough one, dude. Yeah, and they really unleashed it on us. Oh, God damn it. Okay, no, we're talking about this now. They did a dog secret layer, if you couldn't have guessed from our shit jokes. And yeah, these are... What There's four cards. There's uh, Rest in Peace, Dig Through Time... Ancient Grudge, and Lightning Greaves. Now, this one is super cool, too, because, and this is the first time they've done it, you can get a regular one, non-foil, in a foil version. I think they knocked it out of the park with this one. The The fact that a lot of people love alternate art cards, but they're not the biggest fan of foil cards. Um, oh, hi, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're yeah, you're talking about me. <laughs> you're making it accessible to people, one, who just don't like foil, and two, they don't want to spend a premium on cards that may or may not curl in a week. That's a very good point, too. Because like, even for the people who aren't me who just hate foils, for the people who are just like, ah, I'd rather not flip the coin and see if I get playable cards or if I get uh, curled pieces of paper, that yeah. non-foil version's there for you. In my foiled out EDH deck, I have several packets of that, whatever they put in packaging to like suck the moisture out. Oh, those like silicate packets. Yeah, I have. I bought little packs of those just so I could throw them in the deck box just oh, so they wouldn't. That's so curl. smart. And also, it's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, that <laughs> I was like already halfway through, more than halfway through foiling out that deck, and I ordered a card. And it was like one of the only near mint ones, but it was just like kind of warped. And I was like, damn, now like this is going to be a problem. Like that's kind of the price you pay when you start doing the foiling process. But if you can circumvent it uh, by doing something like that, that's brilliant. Yeah, you just got to put the deck in an old baseball glove and tape it and then put it underneath your bed <laughs> with a bunch of oil on it and you'll be good to go. Yeah, that's and that's how you should take care of your magic cards, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, I love this dog secret lair. I remember when the cat one came out and I like said something snarky on Twitter. I was like, well, fucking where's the dog one, dickhead? And yeah, they did it. They did the dog thing. You know, the names are kind of like play on words for what's going on in the art. Like Rest in Peace has a dog just like laying on his back, relax and dig through time. Obviously, the dog is digging down in a ditch. Uh, Ancient Grudge, there's a little ugly pug barking at himself in the mirror. And I'm not sure exactly what's happening with Lightning Greaves. Um, well, Lightning Greaves, uh, the dog's chewing on the boots. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. what they do because they're little devils. And that's an, the one of the other things about this that I said with the ooze one. But it's true for almost every single secret layer. They are so well thought out 
that even the flavor text on these and the flavor outside of the cards is so perfect. Like all of the dogs in this secret lair are actually based on dogs owned by people at Wizard. I did not know that. And every dog on the art has a name and the name is featured in the flavor text. I am just looking at that right now. That is yeah. pretty rad. Yep, like the Lightning Greaves one is the boots demonstrated many strange magical properties, but the most remarkable was their ability to withstand Wesley's ferocious chewing. Oh, it's so good. That is awesome. Yeah, because when I like I saw them, I'm like, okay, fuck yeah, the dogs. That's what I'm into. And then I really looked at them and read all the flavor text. I'm like, okay, this is an absolute home run. You just you can't beat it. It's so perfect. Yeah, so for all the dog lovers out there, uh, you got to pick these up for your dog deck. Oh, dog deck, you say? Uh, yeah, uh, decks uh, with a certain amount of dogs. Um, I'm not sure which format you would make a thematic deck like that for. Trying to think. Well, I'm not a huge standard player. I don't think that would be very competitive in Modern or Legacy. There is a format, though, that I have been into that I think that would fit Perfect. You see what I did there? I, I see. I see. Perfect. <laughs> no, Corey, I built a new commander deck. Ooh, tell me more. It is a deck that actually I talked about on the deck building episode, which I believe was two weeks ago. Uh, I said during our top five, it was top five cards that we I've always wanted to brew with, but never got around to doing it. One of the cards that I mentioned was Rin and Seri Inseparable. It is the box topper from Corset 2021. Remind it, me what that those two do again. So Rin and Siri is a four mana. It's one and Naya colors. Uh, it's a legendary creature. The worst part about this card, and it's not even kind of close, is that the creature type is dog cat and not cat dog. Yeah, there might have been some liability issues. No, fuck liability. That is just a drop <laughs> ball. I am so upset about that. It's unreal. But yeah, so we have a legendary creature, uh, dog cat. And whenever you play a dog spell, you create a 1-1 cat creature token. And whenever you play a cat spell, you create a 1-1 dog creature token. Also, for a red, a green, and a white, you can tap Rin and Sari. It deals damage to any target equal to the number of dogs you control, and you gain life equal to the number of cats you control. Interesting, interesting. Now, that is a lot of text on a card. And let me tell you, that is... All of those effects, very, very good. And they haven't really put a lot of dogs into Magic's history. I'm sure you went over this in a in an earlier episode, but they went and errated uh, hounds to be dogs. Oh, yeah, which is all-time great move on Wizards' behalf. Yeah, that opens up the door for people like yourself to actually make a somewhat viable deck. Oh, and a viable deck I did make. So this deck is affectionately titled raining cats and dogs i'm only playing it on magic online for now because i haven't built it in paper because like why would i because i don't play paper um so i did follow like the wood nickel kind of restrictions there were some cards that just do not fit the under five cents on magic online constraint but they needed to be in the deck in order for it to be themey gotta keep it themey absolutely like the commander itself is only is 94 cents which obviously isn't under five cents that math checks out in order to keep the raining cats and dogs theme because Corey, if it's actually raining cats and dogs you'd think even if you have an umbrella it's probably gonna hurt like cats on average weigh like what like 10 pounds 
generally. And like dogs on average, wow, fucking, there could be like a 20 pound dog. There could be a 120 pound dog. That's going to hurt if it's falling from the, from the sky. Yeah. I have both of those and they, uh, they hurt. Yeah. So obviously Perforos God of the Forge is in the deck, Impact Tremors and Warstorm Surge, because when those dogs fall and hit the battlefield, they got to hurt something. Absolutely. Those are, uh, some of my favorite EDH cards specifically in red. Oh Yeah. Especially when you're just pumping out tokens, as Rin and Siri does. Some of the other cards in the deck that are uh, particularly potent from what I've been playing with, uh, Coat of Arms. Coat of Arms is pretty gross. Yeah, I hear it. Uh, I hear it wins games. Oh, it most certainly does. And also, I am counting Coat of Arms as a thematic card um, because uh, dogs have coats. <laughs> Indeed, they do. So that that is actually fits the theme of the deck. And I'm loving uh, Descendant's Path, this deck as well. Oh, yeah. Descendant's Path has definitely pulled its weight. Because there's times where you're just like, oh, I just have a dog token. And then you just rip one of the, like, Supply Runner, which is a five-mana dog, enters the battlefield, gives all of your creatures a plus one, plus one. That seems pretty good, just for free. Absolutely. And it's looking like you have a decent amount of token generation, not only with the commander, but with some of the other cards in the deck. Oh, absolutely. Like I'm playing things like uh, Second Harvest, which is doubling the tokens that I produce from Ren and Siri. I'm playing other creatures that produce tokens like Ryu Caracal. That card is disgusting. Parallel Lives, which the art is also on point. Oh, yeah. Parallel Lives. I put it in there because, you know, tokens are cool. But really, I put it in the deck because there's two dogs on. Absolutely. So that counts two towards my dog count total. <laughs> I, I think the only non-dog creatures in the entire deck are Beast Whisperer, which, I mean, he whispers to Beast. Yeah, he, he belongs. He's like the Ace Ventura of green cards. He's exactly Ace Ventura. And then also I have Mentor of the Meek in the deck. Which, right. when puppies are little and kittens are little... Like they're they're pretty meek creatures, so they need somebody to like turn them into full grown animals that can at some point attack and offend for themselves. So mentors there to help them along that journey. And Perforos, I mean, he wants to throw that whatever he's got in his hand and it's not gonna bring itself back. No, absolutely not. He needs a loyal companion there to uh pick it up and make sure he doesn't lose it. Exactly. But oh, other see, than that, the rest of them are on point with the dog and or cat. Now, there are some cards in here that I'm just like questionable of whether they're very thematic at all. There's a couple changelings that I put in the deck. They're technically cats and they're technically dogs. I uh, mean, that that technically counts. Yeah. Universal Automaton uh, doesn't look like either, but I'm assuming that it's actually just a cat and a dog stacked on each other inside that suit, which that checks checks all the boxes that I need. But holy shit, man, this deck is a delight to play. Yeah, it looks themey, which with my EDH decks, I like them to follow a theme. It's uh, competitive enough because it has uh, some good cards, something to keep it going, and it definitely has enough uh, win conditions. So this is looking uh, like a deck that is right up my alley. Oh, it is a blast. I have not yet killed somebody with Perforos or Impact Tremors. I have done a bunch of damage with Warsword Surge, but not enough to kill somebody. Surprisingly enough, just making a bunch of tokens will do the trick. Yeah, those tokens get through. They make a yeah. difference. I believe it was a couple nights ago. I was playing against a 
Uh, Niv-Mizzet deck. It was the newer Niv-Mizzet that can't be countered. And whenever somebody plays a sorcery, or a non-creature spell, I think, you draw a card, and then when you draw a card, you deal a damage. Right. And that person uh, had taken over the game pretty substantially. And they played their Niv-Mizzet, attacked with everything else, and then drew a bunch of cards and targeted me. I think I started the turn at like 43 life because this deck does gain a ton of life. Um, He drew so many cards and targeted me so many times with it that I was at 26 life at the end of it. That's a good chunk. Yeah, very big chunk. But luckily, in order to draw all those cards, he played like a bunch of wheel effects and he got rid of all the awful cards in my hand and just happened to draw me into both Bosri's Solidarity and Pledge of Unity, which give my team plus one, plus one counters. So I proceeded to stack the counters on my team and kill him in one attack. And it was the best thing ever. And all I said in the chat was woof, woof. <laughs> well, that sounds like the last mistake he'll ever make. When you mess with the dog, you're, you're probably going to get bit. That's all I'm saying. And if and when you start playing this deck in paper, if you don't have who let the dogs out on standby for whenever you kill somebody, you are doing it wrong. Oh, I will have it queued up, ready to go. I'm going to be carrying in like industrial speakers <laughs> into wherever I'm playing. And they'll be like, what's that for? I'm like, listen, you just don't worry about it. And I start playing, do a thing. And the second I tap my creatures and attack for lethal, I'm going to blow everybody's eardrums out on that city block with who let the dogs out. You maybe throw some Snoop Dogg in there, man. There's a lot of options you got. DMX. He's the dog. The dog pound. How does it always just turn into the Fetch and Shock music podcast? And then anytime somebody would remove one of my creatures in this deck, I just get to treat them like a like a total scumbag. Like I just get to call them a monster for killing a dog. As you should. Because when you kill like a human creature or a wizard or a zombie, you can do that without remorse. There's no groups out there fighting for zombies' rights. But if you kill Isumaru, we got a problem, bud. Like, that's a war crime. Yeah, that, that deserves swift punishment and action. Okay, here's another thing. When I was playing this deck on Magic Online, just kind of testing it out, seeing what I liked, seeing what I didn't like, I was playing against a very specific commander, and I got to get this off my chest. There are some commanders out there that are the worst things on the planet, and Moldrotha is one of them. <laughs> my God, have I never hated a card more in Commander as a commander than fucking Moldrotha. What a miserable piece of shit card. Like... Every single time I play against somebody who's playing Modrotha, and also Matt, uh, he has a Modrotha commander deck, so that gives you some insight into the kind of person that plays that card. Of course he does. Anytime somebody is playing Modrotha, I'm assuming that they're there to fillet them. Like, Ab they're, absolutely. They're there just to jerk off. Because every single time I play against that card, everybody's turn takes like, you know, a minute, minute and a half. That Modrotha player takes 35 minutes on each turn, guaranteed. Yeah, because they're busy putting stuff in the yard. They're busy keeping track of what permanents there are. They're keeping track of what permanents that they are bringing back from the yard. It's uh, it's it's like they're jerking off and you get to watch. Like your participation, they're not just by themselves. You're They're like Louis C.K.ing you. Like they're doing <laughs> it to offend you. Yeah, it's like I didn't buy an entry into your OnlyFans. Why are you making me say <laughs> It is just such a miserable experience. At one point in the game, the person pretty much had it in the bag 
and they were just just continuing to do the thing. And I looked at the clocks on everybody's because Magic Online does the thing where it keeps track of how much time you've taken. I was at like 45 minutes. Another person was at 40 minutes. Another person was at like 47 minutes. The Moldrotha player was at 21 minutes. Yeah. Down. Like that is unreal. I mean, I, I have built decks that unfortunately reach a certain point where I do take very long turns and I reserve playing those decks with my close friends because I don't want to do that to a stranger. I don't want to waste somebody's time and, and hurt them in such a way, but my close friends, they know what they signed up for. And I have no problem doing that to them. Uh, Specifically. I have some wood nickel decks that just from the triggers that they produce, like I can have some pretty lengthy turns. I'm not saying that long turns are make you an awful person, but when it gets to a point where it's just like you have taken 20 more minutes than everybody else at the table, you might want to consider never playing magic again. <laughs> like, that's the point where I'm at. Corey, do you have any commanders that you are like adamant that they are the worst thing on the planet? So um, I've, I've played a lot of with and against a bunch of different commanders with my play group. I think where I, where I got the most exposure to different commanders was playing magic online. And I used to have, I used to have like 12 or 15 commander decks on there. Uh, it's where I would like test out my deck list, see what's working, see what's not working. And there are specifically a couple that just jump right to my mind. One of which is Cranko Mob Boss. <laughs> uh huh. He's the type of commander to when I see somebody is playing it, I, in my mind, I go, Okay, I'm not attacking anybody else. I'm just here to make that player lose. I don't care if I lose. I just want them to lose first. <laughs> and right along that same path of thinking is Perforos, God of the Forge. Oh, yeah, that one's on my list for sure. It's an inevitable win condition that you just can't let them start to get away with because not only are they doing damage when creatures are coming in not only is the the god indestructible but you also have to worry about all the other shit they got going yeah the card that they have permanent access to is such a big problem that even when you get to deal with that that doesn't change the fact that they're also just have 99 other cards that are going to fuck your face absolutely i think my biggest problem is mono red commanders because it's just it's infuriating also uh, Duretti, Scrap Savant. Oh, see, I am okay with Duretti. Um, Hot Sauce, my, my, my good, good friend had built a artifact deck. Um, he, you know, he bought the pre-con and then changed it up. Mm-hmm. And it was, he changed it in such a way that it was just such a sick, disgusting artifact recursion deck that we could take away almost his entire board and then on his next turn, he would just bring that shit back. And it was impossible to to deal with. Oh, and, yeah. And he eventually took it apart because it was like it was too much. He was like, all right, guys, I'll, I'll dismantle this abomination. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had the same thing with Duretti where, like Hot Sauce, I like, bought the pre-con. And then some of the cards are just like, oh, these are unplayable. I'm never going to touch these cards ever again. So I put in some artifacts that were maybe uh, a little bit better in... I had that same experience where at a point it's just like, it's not fun. Like I'm just not having fun because everybody's just teaming up on me, killing all my stuff. And I'm just like, ha suckers. Uh, I'm going to get everything back. 
Like Trash for Treasures, insane in that deck. Like there's so many just nuts cards. When you think when you think of a good recursion deck, you don't think about a mono red artifact deck. Yeah, and the, the fact that Jaredi is a planeswalker too makes it such a harder thing to deal with. Because like with Jaredi, you're recurring artifacts. I'm recurring like a battle ball and getting a bunch of other artifacts to jump block. The only way that anybody else is really dealing with it at the de- at the table is attacking it. But not when I play a battle ball or something that gives me a million thopters or a million mirrors or something like that. Like it just stays on the battlefield and just kills everybody. And I'm I love recursion decks. That's like my thing. Yeah, you're the graveyard guy. And then but to see somebody do it in a way that I've never even thought to do it. I'm like, you how dare you? How you dare you thing. one up me? <laughs> You took my passion and used it against me. Is this how I make you guys feel? God, I deserve this. It just makes you, you're like, oh, I'm realizing how big of a monster I am. (laughs) And you just hate that self-realization so much that you hate that card. Yeah, and then I just go straight into denial and I go, nope, that's the card's fault. Not the play style. No, absolutely not. It's it's that meme of like the, the person riding the bike and then sticking the stick into their own spoke. Absolutely. But like how we were just talking about commanders that you immediately see and just like oh no that person has to die golos yeah golos is the quintessential card that if somebody's playing it in commander as their commander the second i see it i'm like oh well everything i do for probably turn one to turn 10 is focused towards that brick i haven't played much against golos but like I've brewed decks where I make Golos the commander and then I'm like, no, I don't even want to, I don't even want to make this deck because it's one, it's the best. It turns into a best of, of all the colors. Oh yeah. So it's just every card's fucking gas. And then second of all, you can just, you know, he, he's a, a, he's a bomb on a stick, like just continuing to get cards in hand on the battlefield. It's, it's gross. Yeah, because that's the thing too. There are so there are a there are a good couple of five color commanders that if you want to do something like unique and weird, you have so many options. But when you're playing Golos, it really only seems like the people who have Golos as their commander are trying to do really broken degenerate shit. Yeah, they're the type who are trying to fucking what's the card where you don't have to pay for any mana ever again? Omniscience. Yeah, it's those type of people. It's oh, the people. Yeah. Not only play Omniscience, but they play top. And anybody who plays top in a commander deck is not <laughs> welcome in my home. No, yeah, I am not a large fan of top and commander. There are a couple cards above that in, in my list of cards that I never want to see. But top is definitely on the list. Top isn't necessarily like the worst card. One, it just, it takes forever. It slows down a game. And two, it's god damn near impossible to get rid of yeah because then you just like flip the top put it on the top of their deck draw a card next turn draw the top play it continue the shenanigans it's yeah it's a mess another commander that i've grown to dislike quite a bit is narset enlightened master Ooh, yeah that's the original narset so hot sauce and i had started playing um one dh which is a commander deck where every card is under a dollar so much like wood and nickel um this is like the i guess the paper version it's kind of hard to play yeah that's kind of where we got our inspiration from was from one d yeah and so 
Um, we started playing it, and I had built like a soldier's deck or something like that. Nothing too crazy. And he played this deck. And it's surprising how many grossly like mana intensive cards that you can cast for free. So something <laughs> something that's like all three colors and is also nine converted mana cost and is going to do something ridiculous. But the price of that card, since it sees play nowhere, is like, you know, the card's 20 cents. So, of course, you can put it in the deck. Yeah, no, that makes yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And he just raffle stomps me every single. I don't think I've beat him once. Um, every time we've put those decks, pitted those decks against one another. Well, also having a commander that says hexproof on it, like, oh, that's so mean. And in one DH, the answers aren't very great. You don't have um a, a all the classic go to answers for getting rid of creatures or getting rid of artifacts and enchantments. Um, you don't have, so you have to kind of go for the janky versions of all those cards. So it's a little bit more difficult to get rid of certain permanents. Oh, that's very true. Cause I was just thinking just on the hex proof access. Cause like just by themselves, hex proof cards are not easy to get rid of, but right. hex proof cards in a world where you have to get rid of it with a card that is worth less than a dollar. That's way harder. Yeah. So, you know, you're like, okay, I'll make them sacrifice it. Uh, what if they have another creature out? So I'll have to get like some sort of sacrifice on a stick and, you know, grave pact. Last time I checked, it was more than a dollar. Uh, yeah, significantly uh, so. Yeah. Same with, um, the, the five mana version. And so, yeah, you start to, um, hate your friends, I think is the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the word. Absolutely. And lastly, I will have to include one of my own commanders in this conversation. Because every time I went to go play this deck on Magic Online, everybody would hate me. And they didn't even know why they hated me. They just knew that they should hate me. And that is Zur the Enchanter. Mm-hmm. Most people who play Zur are making very shitty stacks decks. And they're no fun to play against. And everybody hates you. And my deck is more about discard. But it does have a stacks aspect to it but more so just to punish you for discarding cards or not having any cards in hand. Um, but I've never played against it, but people hate that commander. <laughs> it's not even that they hate my deck. They just had such bad experiences with Zur from, you know, years ago that they they just immediately, I'm the target, you know? It's even worse than Aloro, you know, where you're like, oh. first turn, you're already gaining life. It's like way more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Zur can be a real son of a bitch to play against. And that's like my, that's my favorite deck. My favorite like dick deck where I know that it's not fair. I know that it's not fun to play against. I know that if we're going to like meet up and we only have like a couple hours to play commander, like that's not the deck I'm busting out. But if like you happen to build a really good deck and we're sitting there for like four hours, I'm like, dude, I can't beat this deck. So I'm just going to bust out my fuck you deck and put that up against it and you know even if you win like i'm still just gonna make it a miserable experience yeah you're yeah you're you're gonna make that person's win less of a win yeah and half of the fun is just taking the fun out of somebody else's experience so yeah yeah that's that's valid <laughs> well in that same vein there is one of the wood nickel decks that i built carador ghost chieftain Ooh. i built this deck uh just thinking like oh carador is really cheap online 
and he's a very good commander. I might as well throw this together. Um, yeah, it turns out Caridor's really fucking good. Yeah, that when I first started playing Commander on EDH, um, I think Carador was like a promo or something, you know, back. I don't know if they still do this, but like if you spent a certain amount of money in the store or if you entered a certain amount of tournaments, like you would get their promo cards. And so that was a card that had recently come out. So Carador was everywhere. And that deck, I, I, I don't even think I hate it. It's just like it does what it does very well. My thing with it is that it's it's kind of in that same thing with Moldrotha, where like the deck is very good, but the worst part about it is the time that you take doing things with it, because the whole entire concept is just putting things in the graveyard and then getting things to trigger from that. And like even just something like me having a bunch of creatures and then one of my opponents answering me with like a wrath, that turns into a whole like, 10 minute ordeal of me like sacking things to viscera seer and scrying a bunch of cards. And then when things are dying, uh, like I'm getting a thousand blood artist triggers and all this dumb shit. And I'm just like, Oh, I feel like an asshole. I am taking 15 minutes on each of my turns. And anytime somebody tries to do something to me, I take an additional five minutes going through all my triggers because when one thing dies, I have seven things to do. Uh, that is a, that bad. is a good feeling though. Mm-hmm. That is good. Just to oh, it feel... feels really good to me, <laughs> right? But as like a play experience thing, it feels really bad for my like the friends that I'm playing with. If I was playing against like randos, it would I would feel less bad. Which I have no problem taking this deck into a random commander room on Magic Online and putting a thousand triggers on the stack and trying to crash Moto. I will do that every single day. But against my friends where we only have a finite amount of time to play a game. And if we can get two games in, that's great. When I bring Carador to the table and I'm taking that long on a turn, we're only going to get one game in and I'm going to play 90% of it. And they just have to sit there and watch me uh, jerk myself off. That feels bad. Yeah. They're like, nice dick. I got fucking work in three hours. Like, yeah, we started this game at uh, six o'clock in the PM and it is now four o'clock in the AM. So uh, (laughs) if you could like stop being a dickhead, that'd be great. Right, right. And I I actually like having different levels of decks. So, like, I think Channel Fireball or somebody came out with, like, a, a rating system for your deck. Oh, uh, I think that was the, the cage people. Right, the advisory. And I think, I thought it was a good system. Everyone shit on it, and it was like, well, that's subjective. Uh, but, yeah, but you know, so is everything in Commander. So, like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, nerds. Right. So, if you talk about it with your playgroup, you know, communicate with other human beings a little bit before you start a game. Um, I think <laughs> it's, a, it's a great system, and I definitely have decks. Uh, I forget what the numbers were, but... Um, one through ten. One through ten. So, I think, like, seven was, like, there's infinite combos or something. Yeah, there's, like, a certain threshold. Like, once you get above seven, like, ten is, like, the most tuned competitive edh decks ever uh like nine through seven are like very competitive decks with like you said infinite combos and like quick wins here we go i got it so one to two for the fun of it you know you're more interested in the theme uh three to four is casual trying to win but you know limited resources uh five to six is focused powerful card interactions but few or no infinite game ending combos and then seven is optimized lots of infinite game winning combos powerful cards nine to ten is competitive i don't care what it says because fuck nine to ten um yeah that's not our zone 
Yeah, I like having a bunch of my decks are five to six, so they're focused. They have powerful interactions, um, but very, very little infinite combos and definitely no like straight game winning combos. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think the rest of my decks are three to four where if somebody else brings something to the table, if they have a pre-con that they just made a couple adjustments to, like I'm not going to bust out my Mirren deck that's tuned to all holy hell. You know, I'll bring out my 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 casual. I don't know. I have casual decks. I can't remember them all. <laughs> that and that's a good thing to consider too. Like who you're sitting down with. I have decks that I will be able to roll casual players with, and then I have decks that when I'm sitting down with somebody like you said who has a pre-con with maybe like a couple cards changed out. Yeah, I will sit down and I'll roll with those people and play like something that's significantly less powerful because you're gonna have more fun in that game than if I brought like my crew fix deck, which is. Very, 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 very good. It doesn't have competitive, as many competitive aspects to it, but like I can win as probably as early as like turn like six with that deck. That is gross. Oh, yeah. And just one last one. You reminded me uh, by talking about winning on turn six the Locust God. Oh, yeah, that's a shitty one. Holy fuck. I built that deck on Magic Online, I played it. I put very cheap, not expensive in mana cost or not expensive in price, um, like draw style cards into the deck. I think I maybe even put mana echoes in the deck. I don't remember. Um, But I won like on turn five after somebody had used, um, was that Soren on me where your life goes to 10. (laughs) And then I, that, that next turn I killed all, the three people who were sitting down. And I was just like, this, this is not okay. It's this, pretty good. One, I didn't even feel good. I, I did not derive joy from that. And two, um, a friend a long time ago had that deck. And yeah, it's just atrocious to play against. And that's another thing, like with the crew fix deck, I said, like I can win on turn six, but I have to actually add cards to the deck to make it that fast. Like the stock list that I have, will never, ever, ever do that. But if I'm sitting down with a competitive crowd, instead of having to have a hyper-competitive deck completely separate, I just change out, like, four cards in the deck. Right. Which is much easier than having an entire other 100-card deck that I never get to play because I hate being competitive. Absolutely. Well, that was a productive commander conversation. Indeed. It actually was just an entire bitch fest about what we hate. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, in commander... Um, not only are you supposed to have fun and enjoy it with your friends, it's almost like a, like a art form. You are a hundred percent right with that. Like almost like other kind of art forms, you just get to kind of gear it towards what you want it to be. So if you want your commander deck to, to be more of like a, like a, a colored pencil drawing that like a, a child would do, you can do that. If you want it to be like a nice Monet you can totally do that. If you want it to be like a like a Rothkop or like a something like more obscure, you can do that. Maybe you want to make your commander deck kind of look like uh, like an album cover. Absolutely. You, you'd be able to do that as well. Look at that. I picked up on the, the transition this time around. Do you see, see that? We're getting it. We're getting it. Wow, what a Corey. What an incredible segue into our top five for the week. Woo! Uh, yeah, we alluded to this last week uh, when we were discussing our previous top five of card names that could be bands. This week, we are doing card arts that could be album covers. Boy, am I excited. I was excited last week when we were talking about it. 
I'm excited this week for actually finding uh, cards that there's there's even one where I had previous every time I see the card, I'm like, that totally looks like an album cover. So I'm interested to see what your takes are on it as well. I put a lot of thought and effort into this one. But Corey, do you have any honorable mentions? I do have a couple honorable mentions. Um, One is going to be um, Hunter's Insight. Um, specifically I'm looking at, I guess this is the jumpstart version. I'm not sure if the art is different. looks like it's the same oh, art. Oh yeah. That's a really good one. So this looks like to me, like, um, eighties rock style album, you know, um, it's like almost a little psychedelic, a little psychedelic, uh, maybe a little new wave ish, you know, there you go. Hungry is the wolf, you know, something like that. There we go. So for those who don't know, it's a picture of a wolf's face in a forest. And, you know, there's kind of a foreshadow background, eyes and teeth and all that stuff. Very cool. Also, a migratory route, which is if you got um, that card in one of your pre-cons, which I forget what year the pre-con was, that card sucked. But the art, man, that art looks like... You know, Peter Frampton uh, sort of cool rock jazz, you know, uh, college radio sort of uh, vibe to it. Might be meditation music. It might be uh, talking about love. Not sure. I think, yeah, this is a very lovey-dovey art. I actually really, really enjoy this card. It's in the Mystery Boosters. And when I have played the Mystery Boosters, I've played this card. In Commander, this card isn't great. In Limited, this card is clinically insane absolutely and then for the uh last of my shout outs is going to be or uh uh the whatever you call them uh honorable mentions joel larson <laughs> yo come somebody call joel larson for his honorable mentions i'm pretty sure one of joel's honorable mentions would be unburial rights oh that's a really good one yeah that's a very um yeah, dark metal, you know, the type of metal band that would have like uh, very story s lyrics, very gore oriented. Um, yeah, very dark stuff. So that is it for the honorable mentions. Yeah, Unburial Rights is such a good one. I played that card so much. I can't believe it did not make my honorable mentions. I fucking <laughs> love that card. Fuck yeah. And uh, as for your honorable mentions, what do you have for me? I have four honorable mentions. One of them is Chains of Mesistophilus. That one is an old one. Um, I would try to tell you what the card does, but I don't think anybody actually knows what the card does. Um, it sees fringe play and legacy, but it is like a old, like 80s, early 90s, maybe like metal band, like traditional metal. It's got like a dragon, like all chained up on it. It's pretty good. Yeah, that looks like um, one of the songs would be in that Netflix show, um, Stranger Things. Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah, Phyrexian Rebirth. That is the wrath that came out, I believe, in New Phyrexia. In that one has like, it almost looks like an AT-AT, but it's I the can... Phyrexian version. It is, that one's pretty fucking metal art. That is very um, epic, symphonic a uh, very high-pitched, uh, almost opera-style singing, but very metal at the same time. I, I think that's a recurring trend with all mine. They're all, like, metal-based album covers. Another one, I just thought of this when we were talking before. 
Cabal Coffer. One of the best lands in Commander. And the art with like the the ominous yes. figure standing in the doorway. I kind of want it just to pan a little bit closer to him for the album art. But that would be so good. That is very thrash, thrash metal looking. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Another one, too. I think you'll be familiar with this art. Unfortunately, I don't think it would be an album cover for the band that it is actually has a, the title after. But it is Terror. <laughs> Good old Terror. Let's And Terror, one of my all-time favorite bands. But this art, and it is specifically like the original art for it. It is just such a wild... Are you talking about the guy hunched over? And it's just like a black background with like barely outlines of a guy. But the striking part of it is just his one open, bright white eye. That is perfect. Yeah, that gets me so stoked. That's a that's that's a good that's a good 80s style metal. Definitely. I really like that. But I'll move into my top five with that because that's a really good transition into my number five. My number five is Lord of the pit lord of the pit Ooh, yeah i don't know if lord yeah lord of the pit has always been printed with the original art from alpha um it has two other arts i believe does it really yes one from oh it no it was reprinted in uh modern masters not modern masters ima and looks like 10th edition yes but the original art for it where it's just like the like visceral demon looking thing with like the dark I don't even know. It's like some kind of symbol behind him. I imagine that symbol being like some metal band that that's actually their name, but you can't tell because it's not written in a language anybody can read. Right. It's the type of uh, name that's it's written on a shirt and then but you can never read what it is. You have to ask the person. and They're like, what? You don't know. And you're like, no, it looks like you spilled uh, a milkshake on your shirt. I don't know. Yeah, what? Wait, I can't believe you can't read decapitated fetus <laughs> on my shirt. Unreal. That is a good one. Uh, so number five. My number five is reminiscent of a music icon, and it is Noxious Ghoul. Ooh, Noxious Ghoul. Noxious Ghoul reminds me of Eddie from Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually perfect. And so... When I look at that every time, because I have uh, that in my foil zombie deck, and every time I look at it, I just hear Iron Maiden in my head. Truly so perfect. I was like, when you said that it was reminiscent of a, like a music icon, I was like, there's no way that he found a card that looks like Morrissey. There's no <laughs> way. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, this works. Don't make me angry, because I will find a card that looks like Morrissey, and I will light it on fire. <laughs> You're just going to buy every copy. You're like, why is this one card worth a million dollars now? <laughs> oh, it's because Corey bought everyone and destroyed them. Yeah, he deserves to die in a fire. <laughs> and speaking of cards that are reminiscent of music icons, my number four is Brea Ethereum Shaper. Ooh, that one's so good. Because if that isn't Lady Gaga, I don't know what is. <laughs> Every time, that's one of my commanders. Every time I look at it, that's like, definitely, definitely Lady Gaga. Yeah, I didn't know Bad Romance was actually about Thopter. <laughs> yeah, it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I understand. That's so good. Yes. All right, what's your number four? My number four, it was originally at all the top of my list, but then I found other things that I just personally like more. My number four is Surgical Extraction. Ooh, don't even have to look up the art for that one. Uh-huh. 
just the spine and the skull coming out of that uh, humanoid creature. And I don't know if you've ever seen like the full art of that card, but in the art that they used on the actual card, it's only the bottom half of it. Oh, wow. The actual painting is it goes up and extends that like dark blue sky into almost like black. And then there was a bright white like moon at the top. It is so gnarly. Now I have to find it. It is absolutely breathtaking. That's definitely good. That seems like it would be on a like death album cover or yeah. Oh yeah. This is very dark, gloomy metal for sure. Um, my number three is actually a card that I mentioned. I think it was the card that got us onto this conversation before the abrupt decay promo by Seb McKinnon. Uh, yes. Yes. The one we were uh, looking at last week. I'm pretty sure that this card is the thing that made us do this top five. And for good reason, this is such a metal art. That's pretty epic. Yeah, so this is obviously by the band Abrupt Decay. Obviously, obviously this is their album cover. Just the, what is that, like a goblin? I'm pretty sure it's a goblin, and it's just being eaten by acid. Yeah, he's he's trying to tr- trudge through with his sword, which he's barely hanging on to because he's being just dissolved by the by his surroundings. And by his facial expression, it seems like he's having a bad time. Probably not the most um, enjoyable experience, I'm guessing. And the flavor text has to just be lyrics from one of the songs. The worst part isn't the pain or the smell or even the fear of death. It's hearing the clatter of bones on stone and knowing the bones are yours. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm, I think It That Betrays is going to have that as uh, their first song lyrics. <laughs> that, that, that opens up the record absolutely <laughs> yeah that is absolutely a good one all right what is your number three number three and i think this is going to be obvious um to anybody who who is familiar with the card it is damnation oh yeah and really i couldn't decide between um just the regular art or the um or the textless art um both of them are epic in their own ways. Um, I could see, you know, because the, the regular art is just the the black hole sun just destroying everything in its path. Mm-hmm. And then the textless um, version is uh, there's like a pit of demonic fire and there's a bunch of dead people laying around and the, it looks like uh, some guy died on his horse kind of up on a rock. It's just... Uh, both of them are very metal, but just in different ways. I didn't even think of like that promo art. It is so good. That is one of the cards that I love the most is just the textless Damnation. And I just realized on the original art for Damnation in that black hole, like the smoke on the side, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to look like a skull on the left side. A- it is. That is just such a. I don't know if it's supposed to look like it, but it does in my brain. I don't know if I'm just Rorschach testing myself into thinking that. (laughs) A little bit. A little bit, yeah. That is just a really nice little detail. Yeah, and it's just an epic, it's an epic picture. Just destroying, seems like there's a battlefield, and two sides are fighting, and then this fucking black hole opens up and just fuck everybody. Yeah, hey, your battle, uh, it's over, guys. (laughs) I won. (laughs) Good luck. Me, the black hole, I win. (laughs) And so uh, moving on to number two, another just art that I love. 
is the eighth edition Grave Pact. Oh, see, Grave Pact does have a thousand different arts, doesn't it? Um, it has a couple. I think maybe only two or th- it has three. I believe. Three, I thought. Yeah, but the eighth edition one with like the Grim Reaper pointing Absolutely. to the grave. Absolutely. Oh yeah. This is like some classic metal or even perhaps some psychobilly uh, art that's not taking itself too seriously, but it is uh, it is just spooky and fun, and I love that art. I told myself that uh, for my foiling out my zombie deck, that if there was art that I just loved, that I would get, I would get it despite it being so much more expensive. And so instead of just getting the other grave packed art, you know, which was much much cheaper, I went for this art, and I I don't regret it at all. If you're gonna go for just style points, the eighth edition grave pact is absolutely at the top of one of my faves. That's so good. Now, Corey, my top two, these are these are some readers. You're going to have to look these ones up because they are some weird cards. Perfect. Or my number two is Karn's Temporal Sundering. This card is actually from Dominaria. Ooh. Yeah. That's it, that's fucking epic. Yeah. It is just Karn standing in uh, what I can presume is just uh, Dominaria and has a bunch of different versions of the same scape but almost in different timelines where different things are happening. Like one is covered in lava. One of them looks like, oh, look at this. This is all nice. Another one is has this really ethereal mana deal going on. It looks like the ground's frozen. And uh, Karn, again, doesn't look like he's having a great time. The little bit I know about the story about about some place in Dominaria that was like phasing, phased in and phased out and all that. Um, oh. it, it looks like a, a, a snapshot of of dominaria like through time you it's, know yeah it's, it's different parts of that same place in time right yeah that is centuries ago a quest to harness time became a spiral into chaos wow that's such good flavor text that shit. is good yeah um this one came to mind because when this card came out again rupert shout out to rupert um he sent me this art that he turned into an album cover by the band the acacia strain And he sent me with the album superimposed, and it was absolutely perfect. Interesting. The Acacia Strain. Yeah, they are a uh, not good band. (laughs) (laughs) But I used to rock them hard in, like, uh, high school era. Okay. Yeah, not great. I I don't recommend Acacia Strain to anybody, but... If you are angsty and in your teens, then yeah, go ahead and listen to that. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to just I'm gonna have to try this out just to uh, just to make fun of you. Oh no, absolutely. Um, if I had to recommend one song, they have a song called "The Hills Have Eyes," and there's some line about Paris Hilton in the song. And like I believe also one of the lines was, "If I believed in God, I would call you the Antichrist." Pretty pretty hard stuff. Okay, yeah, I'm hearing a little bit of it. Yeah, um, uh, shout it, out to the Acacia Strain, sponsor of this week's episode. <laughs> it feels like they would all be um, like banging their heads during a breakdown um, and like gyrating up and down at the same time. Oh, but, like, not, not in a cool metal way, but kind of in a douche. Yeah, I think they're actually all fat nerds, but yes, also that. Oh, yes, yes, I, I am seeing them. They are all uh, very nerd-like, yes. Yeah, love it. Big fan. Perfect. <laughs> go ahead and turn that off. <laughs> Probably for the best. But my last one. Now, this is one of my all-time favorite arts ever. And it is because it is so 
metal, especially for a white card. It is martyred Rasalka. Martyred. I cannot get over how gnarly this card is and how evocative this card is, both in art and what it does and the flavor text. Everything about this card is metal, but the art specifically with like the tree in the background with a lady hanging from the tree and then her ghost walking away from the tree. That That is is just so gnarly. Wow, that is some uh, crazy art for for magic, you know? Well, it did come out in Guild Pact, which was, uh, what, like 2006? So they could get away with some, like, edgier stuff back then. Right, right, right. But yeah, the, like, how gnarly this art is for a uncommon from Guild Pact, like, that should be illegal. Yeah, that is, I like it. Well, for my number one, this is going to be obscure. Oh, I have Scryfall up and ready. And you might not even find it through Scryfall because this is a token. (laughs) This is a zombie token from Eldritch Moon. Ooh. Specifically the one that shows the zombie in a graveyard and he kind of has... Um, kind of some hair flopped over to the side. What it really reminds me of is Michael Graves era misfit. Oh, that's so perfect. So after Danzig left, um, they took a little bit more of like a tongue in cheek, having fun with the dark imagery. And, um, if you've ever seen Michael Graves in any of the videos or on stage, um, he's kind of. Very, like, he's slouched over, very, like, almost, I don't want to say emo, because that's not the right word, um, but very, uh, has has the hair, like the mohawk, but not put up. It's all parted over to the side, kind of blocking part of his face. It's like the and, horror core thing. Yeah, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, dude, that is one of my favorite zombie tokens of all time. I wish I could get it in foil to go with my deck. Um, but, yeah, definitely Michael Graves' era misfit. Is that the one that came in foil? Uh, no, this was... They weren't doing foil tokens in that set, um, but the ones that they came in the pre-release were more the um, like the pirate-style uh, oh, tokens. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I knew they did foil Eldritch Moon ones, but I didn't know if they which ones they did. Yeah, they did the double-sided one, which is like more the regular zombie, and then the other side, which is like a pirate zombie. Oh, what a bummer that they didn't do this one in foil. Yeah, that would have been uh, super epic. Definitely has a famous monsters American Psycho vibe to it. Oh, a thousand percent. Holy shit. Another, I, again, I know I said this last week, hard for people to get as perfect as we did, but somehow we did it. I mean, I, I'm proud. I'm proud of us. I'm giving us a pat on the back as we say. Oh, I feel it. Through, <laughs> yep. Through, oh, there it the is. Call. Yep. Yeah. You've, now, do you feel my pat? It might not be on your back, but it's somewhere. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not. Funny thing that... about your back is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corey, you know that there's only one more thing to do here. To defend the title. You do have to defend your honor. Good thing we're already on Scryfall looking at all of these uh, card arts, because I'm going to need Scryfall to play a little bit of accumulated knowledge. I know you know the rules of the game, but I'm going to give the rules to everybody else. Just so they are uh, fully aware of what's going to go down. So for accumulated knowledge, we go on to the Scryfall website. I hit the random card generating button. A random card pops up. I'm going to ask Corey the name of a card. 
he has to give me the mana cost of that card. If he gets it right, he gets a point. And if he gets it wrong, uh, he never gets to look at an album art ever again. He just has to go in blind. I just got to feel it with my, with my fingers. Unless you win, then you don't have to worry about it. Well, there's only one way to find out. There is only one way to find out. Are you ready for your first card? I'm ready. It is Ravenous Bloodseeker. I was really hoping it was going to be Chupacabra at the end of that sentence. Oh, if I would just feel so bad if you just get handed all of them. Ravenous what? Ravenous Bloodseeker. Bloodseeker, huh? And to remind you, you do get three hints. Ravenous Bloodseeker. The name sounds familiar, but not really <sighs> ringing any bells. Um, So it's probably black. Eh, probably black. Um, man, that's rough. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, um, I don't know if I want to use a hint. Uh, Right out the gate with the hints. Um, give me what set it's from. It is from Shadows Over Innistrad. Ooh. Okay. So that means it is black or red because they had that vampire thing going on. They did have vampires on Innistrad. Okay. Um, man, me and the, when we had more than two people on the, on the podcast, us over at If Lands Could Kill, we played a game where we each got a sealed pool together of, uh, shadows. And then whoever, uh, lost could add another pack to their their pool. That's spicy. And, um, our co-host at the time, Soen Crow, he had just opened the most ridiculous Eldrazi pack or sealed pool and just stomped us. I don't think he ever opened another pack. He just stomped us the whole time. And he just didn't need it. He just yeah. kept continually kicking your teeth in. Yeah, did not need it. So I should know what it is, but I don't. I mean, I think the vampires were like 50% black, 50% red. Um, a lot of them, a lot of them were, uh, lower casting cost. Um, wasn't crazy expensive. Um, okay. I'm just going to go for, uh, one and a black. Corey is one and a black. Your final answer. It's final answer. It is one and a red. (laughs) Oh no. I was, I was really worried that you were just going to just nail it right off the bat. Tell, tell me what that sucker does. So Ravenous Bloodseeker, for one and a red, it is a Vampire Berserker. It is a 1-3, and you can discard a card. Ravenous Bloodseeker gets a plus two, minus one until the end of turn. I remember this card being very, very good in that limited format. Yeah, I don't I don't really, really even remember this card. Um, is, it was uh... also an uncommon, or it is an uncommon. It wasn't just an uncommon then. It's still an uncommon. <laughs> But it really enabled madness. Mm, yes, Easy. yes. Because it was just like, oh, I just can just discard a card for free. That seems pretty good. Damn, that was. Uh, I feel like I uh, should have got that one. That was a. Uh, that was a medium softball lobbed in there. Um, only way to redeem myself is just to knock this next one out of the park. Um, I think there's a decent chance that you will. The next card is Cranko's Command. Cranko's Command. Well, if you don't get it, that is actually just another knock against Cranko too, which is fine. Right. Luckily, um, not only have I played this card, but for some reason, Cranko players just love to not only goblins, but they love to keep it a little themey. So I'm going to go ahead and say one and a red. Corey, I'm not going to even ask you if that's your final answer because you're 100% right. 
It is one in a red. The old goblin token maker. Yep. For one in a red at sorcery speed, you can create two one one red goblin. Well, good thing I knocked that one out of the park. You did called shot. Babe Ruth over here. Yeah, just fat Babe Ruthed it. Oh, boy. It is Thunder Spirit. Thunder is a doozy. So that's telling me that my intuition is going to be wrong. But my intuition is that... Uh, so Spirit uh, is very white or black. Thunder or blue. is going... Yeah, yeah, or blue, or blue. Except the Thunder makes me think that it's going to be uh, like a white, black, or red card. Thunder Spirit. Thunder Spirits are usually... Or not Thunder Spirits. Spirits in general are relatively low casting cost cards. Correct. Um, I don't remember this card. This is probably some stupid fucking old card that back when spells were way better than creatures. Uh, well, um, here's a hint. Uh, it is a stupid old card. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. So it's going to be overcosted uh, to some degree. <sighs> give me the give me the oh, give me the power boy. and toughness, bad boy. You want the power and toughness. It is a 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Okay. 2-2, two, two, old set. Um, okay, so I'm going to take away the red. So it's white or black. Spirit. They, they didn't... They really stuck. I feel like they really stuck with a lot of the color pie stuff back then. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say it's white. You know, narrowing it down. A 2-2. Two, two, so it's like... It's got to be 3 or 4. 3 or 4 mana. I'm thinking of like uh, like a... Like an air elemental card. Okay. Um, uh, I don't even remember what air elemental is, uh, but I remember it being somewhat generic. Uh, not not vanilla, but having some evergreen text on it. Air elemental is a 4-4 four, for four, 5. Right, right, right. So a little bit um, generic, slightly overcosted. So it's a 2-2, two, two, so 3 or 4 mana. Now here's the question. Here is where it gets tricky. Uh, with those older cards is like the pips like what kind of pips are we working with it's not going to be like three white it's going to be two white or one white i don't think there was many three white or three yeah three white pips if it's that far back and stupid it's going to be like one white white or two white white or perhaps even just two white two three white okay I think I've deduced as much as I'm going to be able. I've talked it through. You know what? Where's my... I'm going to flip something. I'm going to leave it to the gods. I'm going to flip this pack of cigarettes. Love that. <laughs> flip that this is pack so on brand. Uh, they're Marlboro Lights, so it's white, so it's very... Um, oh, extra on brand. Super yeah. themey. So keeping it themey here. Um, so top, you know, the front where you open it will be uh, one white white. I have a feeling it's... And then the other side will be two white, white. Uh, okay. okay. Okay, here we go. Okay, well, it landed on its side, so we're going to go ahead and reflip that. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we... Okay, it landed on its face, or uh, face up. So that is uh, one, one white, white. One white, white. Is that your final answer? Yeah, I think I've stalled enough. Uh, Corey. It's one white white. <laughs> I am amazed right now. <laughs> How did that even happen? Okay, tell me tell me the rest of the card. Oh, it has first wreck and flying. Oh, that's yeah, the that's... card. That's it. <laughs> of course. It that. is an elemental what? spirit. 
what what fucking sets? Oh, it's from Legends. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. That's it. When that was from. Oh, that's its only printing. Okay. <laughs> 1994. It's from Legends. <laughs> okay. Well, that was just that's it also silly. in uh, Magic Online as a promo, uh, but it didn't need that. <laughs> because we all know how much, you know, two twos for three need a promo. <laughs> wow, that is that is some, some shit right there. That is unreal. Oh my goodness, oh, that was very f- fulfilled me. This episode of Accumulated Knowledge brought to you by Marlboro Lights. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna light up one of these smooth tasting Marlboro. <laughs> I don't think they call them lights anymore because uh, that gives the impression that there's less nicotine in them. Oh, they're diet. <laughs> uh, I think it's Marlboro Golds now. Oh, there's yep. less calories in them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm watching my figure. I get it. <laughs> All right, Corey, are you ready for your fourth card? Yeah. yeah. It is epic confrontation. Epic. <sighs> for some reason, off the top of my head, I feel like this is uh, like a commander. He came in one of the commander precons. Um, I'm I'm getting a red vibe. No. Like, I feel like there's... Somebody's getting their ass beat in the picture. <laughs> like it's a, uh, why does this name sound familiar? Epic conference. Uh, it sounds like a fight card. I, so I made a, I made a, you remember Oathbreaker was like a thing for like five minutes. Oh yeah. I remember that 30 seconds that Oathbreaker was a thing. Yeah. I think Oathbreaker was a thing even shorter than tiny leaders was. Um, and I made a, there was a Varaska deck. So the Varaska was um, like the uncommon one or whatever, where it, had, it was basically Death Touch Tribal. So I put a lot of fight cards in it. Ah, so that's where that's where my brain's going. Um, epic con, but okay. So if it's in that deck, it has to be black, which black doesn't have fight, so it has to be green. Fight cards are one, two, or three, but it's epic, epic confrontation. It's so epic. Oh man. <sighs> Yeah, I feel uh, I'm not very good. <laughs> I'm su- I'm so surprised that I'm undefeated because I don't I don't remember fucking cards. Yeah, but then you get Thunder Spirit. <laughs> yeah, I've never even heard of that fucking thing. <laughs> uh, what was the art on that thing, by the way? Um, it was a spirit, but there was also Thunder behind it. That checks out. Uh huh. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was on brand for, I guess, legends where the you know you couldn't get too uh, esoteric with no, the no, art. No, no, no. The very, very <laughs> literal definition of what it is. Okay. Get, okay. Well, I got hints, so I might as well take it. Give me the um. Give me the text. Okay. This is your final hint. Final hint for effort confrontation, Corey. It says target creature you control gets a plus one plus two until the end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. Gets plus one plus two. That is correct. And then it fight. Okay, so no matter the timeline, some legends will endure. <laughs> well, that's very epic if I get it right, because you know I'm a, I'm a fetch and shock legend if I if I keep winning. That's true. <sighs> so the thing is, if you can just deal damage to something without actually having to fight, it usually costs more. You know. Correct. So. But this is giving plus one plus two. So Get once again, butt. yeah. So once again, we're going. Uh, I don't have any more hints left, so we're going to go one and a green. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Corey, Epic confrontation is one and a green. You've done it yet again. <laughs> well, give me, it. 
give me give me give me the next one just for shits and giggles and yeah. also for epic confrontation the fun fact this one is the fight card from dragons of tarkir okay savage punch was from yes. cons of tarkir both of them picture punching a creature it's a bear <laughs> in Cons of Tarkir, and it's a dragon in Dragons of Tarkir. Okay, so that's where I was getting the, like, fucking somebody up. What was Savage? Um, what was the Savage one? What's the mana cost and shit on that? Uh, it's I. It's the same card, I believe. Oh, no, Savage Punch is uh, slightly different. It is the same concept of punching a bear, but it is one in a green. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control, but if you control a creature with power four or greater... The creature gets a plus two, plus two. Yeah, that was the ferocious mechanic. Correct. And I think I was more thinking of that card than this card. But hey, uh, I still got there. So. No, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. All right. For funsy. Yeah, this one off. has nothing on it. Unbelievable. It is Cranko's Enforcer. This is the episode about Cranko. Yeah, he's not getting much love. And without taking up too much time to think about it, um, I think he's very close to Krenko's converted mana cost. So either two and a red or two red, red. Um, I'm going to go two and a red. Two and a red. Is that two your final answer? That is it. It is actually one red, red. Because ah! he's, he's the enforcer. He's not actually Krenko. So he's one less mana. Yes. And you really got to be committed to Krenko. So you got to get that double red in there. Absolutely. So Krenko's enforcer, one red, red, goblin warrior, it is a 2-2, and it has Intimidate, and that is it. What's that? What sets that from? Um, It is from M15. Oh, yeah, yes. Classic OK commons from M15. <laughs> yeah, classic uh, garbage core set before they started uh, reprinting everything good. No, yeah, that, that checks out. Corey, in spectacular fashion, my man. <laughs> you are still undefeated in Accumulated Knowledge. Oh, man. You know, it's funny. Every once in a while on If Lance Could Kill, we would play this game where whatever from the court current set, um, we would get a whole bunch of commons and uncommons. And But without knowing, we would have a card on our head. And just by the art, we would have to try and describe, um, help that player figure out like what was going on on the oh, card on their head. That's so sick. And that was definitely fun. Um, did not have as much luck and I was more into standard. So I actually, you know, knew, <laughs> knew what art was going on. But, um, I think that that good luck is following me here. There you go. And, it, and in classic fashion, I, um, did not have a shout out ready. So off the top of my head, <clears throat> I'm going to have to give it to magic with Zuby. Yes. Fucking so, Zuby, the dude. So Mr. Zuby, he started a solo podcast, a solo podcast, the balls on somebody mm -hmm. to just be like, you know what? I can't find anybody to podcast with. I'm just going to do it by my fucking self. I like to think that he was just like, you know what? Nobody's good enough. Yeah. He's like, no, I, I, I got this, guys. So Zuby, through different um, trials and tribulations, he's been in and out of the magic game, but I think he's back, back again. Zuby's back, tell a friend. And he is, um, <laughs> I'm not sure. So it looks like I'm looking at his Twitter, Magic for Normies might be. Official Twitter page of the Magic with Zuby podcast and co-host of the amazing Magic for Normies podcast. Um, looks like he's, I recognize, um... That girl in the picture. Kitty. Looks, Kitty. 
Yeah, pick, Pixie Kitten. Yep, P- that's the one. PKP underscore magic. Um, I remember watching some of her videos early on, and she's very, um, you know, just friendly, fun, uh, easy, magic, you know, just carefree content, nothing too crazy and serious. But the reason I thought of him was because once upon a time, he w- he was really, really supportive of our cast, and uh, we had sent him a Charging Badger because Charging Badger was the mascot of our cast. Hell yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Charging Badger, the one one for one with Trample. Yeah. And so uh, on his, we had added um, Triple Strike and Charging Badger, Lord of Zubatron. Uh, the Badger King. And so shout out to him. He recently posted something about um, his, his favorite cards in his collection and the old uh, charging badger had made the list. So, Oh, that's so sick. So uh, check him out. He makes uh, like PG content, you know, once again, we talk about how we're glad that there's people who make that type of content because not everyone wants to listen to us talk about dicks and butts and all that stuff. And so he's uh, one of those safe spaces where uh, he he makes just some good old-fashioned magic content, nothing too uh, super competitive and nothing too vulgar. So go check out at Magic with Zuby. He's involved in a bunch of different projects, and they're mm-hmm. all delicious. Yeah, Zuby's for the kids, and I love that he is for the We were both on um, the MTG cast network once upon oh, a yeah. time. And, uh, you know, always believed in helping helping the little guys out. And now, <laughs> funnily enough, our podcast, uh, you know, is planning our last episode. And he's getting uh, preview cards from Wizards of the Coast. He's getting invited to do all this epic shit. And so it's super awesome to see somebody who started just like just some random idea. I guess I can throw it on this free website. And now he's, he's, you know, one of the more popular content creators. So super yeah, proud of you, Zuby. You're making it. You're doing things. Check him out. Zuby is such a killer dude. He also has a discord. I am on his discord with a fetch and shock. I don't, I'm not particularly active on his, but I lurk. So yeah, go into his discord and uh, see what that's all about. Cause they, they are a very active conversation. Yeah. He's good people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Corey, the only thing we have to do here is uh, a little bit of shout outs of our own. First of all, if you want to follow the Fetch and Shock podcast on Twitter, go to Fetch underscore Shock. You can find us there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at BasicLandBin. If you want to find Corey on Twitter, he is at Knife underscore City. And like I just mentioned, if you want to join the Fetch and Shock Discord, you can find the link for that in the description of this episode or on that Twitter at fetch underscore shock. And if you want to stay tuned for the final episode of if Lance could kill, follow us on at if Lance could kill with one L because there is no box topper. There's only the original printing. (laughs) So you can't get two copies. Well, it's only commander, right? So like you only need the one L anyway. (laughs) We are commander only format. (laughs) Well, Corey, again, another incredible episode of us both being perfect human beings. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I um, am honored to be here while Matt is probably getting poop on his fingers from his sweet baby child. Yeah, no, yeah, Matt is actually really into poop, so uh, he's excited (laughs) about it. (laughs) You know, Matt, known poop guy. Yeah, he he likes to finger paint with it. Whatever. 
Oh yeah, if you want to follow Matt's poop diaries, uh, you can find him at <laughs> it's bot on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I forgot he existed, so I didn't shout him out. But like, there you go, Matt. You're you're welcome. Yeah, we included you. <laughs> Matt's poop diaries. I cannot wait for that to come out in 2020 on in the cinemas. Yeah, yeah. I hear uh, the directors uh, got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire, so I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, that one's coming out to a Brazzers near you. <laughs> All right, and on that note, we will see you later, nerds! Later, you fucking weirdos! (laughs)